You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. All right, you got Shank and Wayne here. Alcoholics Alive, glad to have everybody on today. If you haven't noticed, we've been uh, covering topics based on feedback we got from the audience. So we had quite a few feed, quite a bit of feedback or suggestions on covering something about problems other than alcohol. Hopefully, you enjoyed that episode. And then uh, last week we did many paths to spirituality. So uh, hopefully, you enjoyed that. Uh, they also just happen to be topics or uh, titles from AA pamphlets, which is uh, a lot of good pamphlets and alcoholics novels that people don't even read. So you may want to uh, go start. Now, not all of them are good, but we we like most of them. Thank. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Good to be here. It's good to be here. We uh, we're excited about our guest today and about our topic. Our uh, our guest today is Eric. That's Eric with an H. I'm yeah. sure that's not the first time he's heard that. Yeah. Um, but Eric, how are you? I'm great, Terry and Susie. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yep. Good to uh, good to have you. Appreciate you joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in uh, Washington D.C., where I got sober. Didn't grow up here. Um, got sober in 2001. And uh, I was not a, a person who got to sobriety the first time and was an instant winner. So it was a, a journey for me to get here. I drank for 17 years and uh, AA was definitely the last house on the block for me when I got here. And uh, so I've been sober since 2001. I, and I believe in the topic that you guys are talking about today, sponsorship. I have a sponsor. Sometimes I'm actively sponsored and sometimes I'm not. And uh, I sponsor other men who are sometimes actively sponsored by me and sometimes are not. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to hear it's the same everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Alcoholism travels well, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sure does. So, Shank, what is the, uh, what is our topic? So... Today, our topic is questions and answers on sponsorship. And from the questions and answers on sponsorship pamphlet, uh, it's from page seven. It does have a little blurb in here about what is sponsorship. And um, it talks about how Alcoholics Anonymous began with sponsorship when Bill W., only a few months sober, was stricken with the powerful urge to drink. This thought came to him. You need another alcoholic to talk to. You need another alcoholic just as much as he needs you. So then he found Dr. Bob, who had been trying desperately and unsuccessfully to stop drinking, and out of their common need, AA was born. The word sponsor was not used then. I know that is like a common question. The 12 steps had not been written, but Bill carried the message to Dr. Bob, who in turn safeguarded his own sobriety by sponsoring countless other alcoholics. Through sharing, both of our co-founders discovered their own sober lives could be enriched beyond measure. So this is a pretty good pamphlet. I wouldn't say I agree with everything in it. I I think a lot of it is good information. Some of it I can do without. 
Uh, but it does go on to talk about how they meet as equals. Bill and Bob met as equals. Um, and that the process of sponsorship is an alcoholic who has made some progress in the recovery program shares that experience on a continuous individual basis with another alcoholic who is attempting to attain or maintain sobriety through AA. So I just thought that that was a really good description of what we're trying to do here. Um, so our topic is question and answers on sponsorship. Can you call my sponsor and tell him that the pamphlet says we meet as equals? <laughs> yeah. huh? I would love to do that. I want right after we get done recording here, I want you to call him and say, Hey, look, I've been reading this I will. pamphlet. However, um, he's just going to tell me that I'm banned uh for another five years from speaking at his group. So Oh yeah, he will ban you for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, hey, Jerry's not gonna make that call. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh man, Eric, tell us, uh, share some of your experience with with uh, with sponsorship. Well, you know, I I, I kind of fell into AA in the, the originally in the late '90s when you know I, I didn't really know much about Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I think I had seen what other people have seen in '80s movies or things like that, and I, you know, it wasn't the information age. There wasn't much out there, and um, I was going to. Uh, they called it an institute, but it was a place to dry out, right, on Wisconsin mm -hmm. Avenue in Washington, D.C., really right across from the National Cathedral. And and, uh, and I remember there was a, the head psychiatrist there said I should start going to some AA meetings. And I didn't, again, I didn't know anything about alcoholism, called myself an alcoholic, but I thought, why? I'm here at this institute and I'm taking the classes and I'm doing my homework. Why do I have to do anything else? And I started going, that was sort of my first visit to AA. I'm guessing that was in the late nineties or, or maybe around 2000, that last three years of my drinking is pretty much a blur. And, um, and I went to meetings and, and when people would try to talk to me before or after the meeting, I, you know, I was just pretty guarded. I was like, you know, we just did the AA. I'll see you next quarter or whenever we meet next, you know, I, mean, yeah. I went to my first meeting and tried to prepay my AA dues for a year. Mm. If new nice. this, there are no AA dues. Right. And I thought <laughs> gym membership, if I paid in advance, maybe I'd have some skin in the game and I go, and I didn't get, I didn't have a sponsor. Needless to say, my sobriety was uh, fragmented and fragile and didn't last long. Right. When I came back, I got another sponsor and it was, he, 12 step me classically and, and he acted like a good member of AA he reached out his hand he made a plan with me the next night the problem for me was that he was a really nice guy right mm. and I believe that most of us will find the type of sponsorship that we need eventually it's generally not what we want he was a nice guy I walked all over him I didn't listen to him it's not that I didn't respect him. I didn't respect anyone or myself at that phase of my life. And he couldn't get through to me, not at any fault of his own, right? Because I was not in a place when I was willing. And anyway, I drank again and I came back and I have the sponsor that I have today um, that I've had since before my sobriety date. And he was not a nice guy, right? When I was newly sober. And I, he will admittedly say he's changed his style of sponsorship since then. But honestly, he got through to me in a way that people couldn't get through to me. And he called me right out of my BS and talked to me straight. And, and I would tell you, I, I, I could hear that 
it, it, I was resentful. It made me angry. It made me, but I paid attention to it. Right. That doesn't work for everyone. It did work for me. Right. And I come from a group here where strong sponsorship is part of the culture. And I feel blessed that I fell into a group like that. I don't know if I would have made it on my own going to club meetings, going to an anything goes loosey goosey home group that does work for some people. It would not have worked for me. So I believe in the culture of strong sponsorship. I'm adamant about it. And um, that's my experience sponsorship, right? No, no subtle opinions there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How about, uh, how about um, sponsoring people or sponsoring newcomers? I mean, that's, that's the best part of it. Right. And also I'll tell you, I'll try to keep this short, but at about a year and a half sober, which is a fragile time for a lot of alcoholics, right? You know, I'd finally yep. come around. I'd got sober. I'd done a fourth and fifth step. I'd actually done most of my amends and and uh, I was doing service at meetings. I was, and my life, and I had this bad thing that always happened to me. My life would repair itself really quickly. I'm a, I'm a bit like a cat, land on my feet a lot, regardless of how low the bottom <laughs> was what happened. And at about 18 months sober, I was, secretly saying, look, this is great. And I'm really appreciative of what people did here for me. These are good people, but I have big plans and going to AA all the time is going to get <laughs> that. Right. And I could put that into words. You know, some people will tell their stories when they go back out and it's like, well, I couldn't even see that at the time. I was full on planning it. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry that these people's lives are so small that they could be happy going to AA, you know, but I've got real plans. And, and what happened is it's the classic story, right? So I got asked to speak at this meeting. Actually, ironically, it's where I just went to church for Sunday <laughs> mass, right? It's called the Church of the Little Flower. And they used to have a meeting called Little Flower on Wednesday nights, which is no longer there. It was a meeting that had been a big meeting. And now it was like this giant room and you stand at this podium and there was a like eight people, a very weird situation. And I was there <laughs> telling my story. And I saw this young kid in the back of the room. He's maybe a 20, 21. He was there with his mom. And when I was done mm. see, you know, speaking, I could see her sort of like push him and said, you know, go ask that, that guy to, for help. And his, you know, and that was my beginning. And I thought, well, darn, this guy asked me to sponsor him. I'm, I'm still going to leave. But first, I'm going to introduce this guy to the people I know. I'm going to get him hooked in here. And that's the classic story of sponsorship, right? And taking him through the steps and showing him what I had done to stay sober, my convictions about AA, my gratitude, all of it just increased tenfold or a hundredfold, right? Taking someone else through the steps. And I have found that um, not everyone needs to sponsor people, but we should all aspire to, and you don't even have to be an official sponsor. It's helping lending a hand to someone who needs help. It's not always someone with that's a newcomer either. So that's been my experience. And as long as I stay connected and hooked in and I do my best to sponsor other men, I feel connected to AA when I'm out on my own, doing it my own way. I don't always feel that connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You you mentioned that you're, your first sponsor or your sponsor was pretty firm and yeah. straight, straight and direct, I guess. Yeah. I I think Shank, there's even a question in the, the pamphlet about kind of sponsor be too firm, but I know my, my first real sponsor, I mean, he was very, very direct and very straight 
and specific and um you never had to guess what he was thinking or what he was telling yeah. you and i mean looking back on it i i mean it actually helped me as well but he was all he, he also tempered that with some with some love and some sure yeah. you know a, a, a good heart of hey i'm telling you this because this is what worked for me I'm, I'm not just making this stuff up you know he was he was sharing his experience and I think that, I mean, if I know we don't take good stats in AA, but if you were to ask people, firm and 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 direct probably works better than the other. And uh, I think even in the big book, it in working with others, I mean, it it talks about you know tell people the truth, be direct with them. If they if they want it, great. If they don't, then find somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Shank. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. No, I mean that's what makes us great. It's a, it's anyone can unilaterally cancel the the partnership at any time, right? So that's right. Um, you have to be a willing participant, and if it's not working, then you can find someone else. I haven't had to do that, although I've wanted to many times, especially right. early. Society, right. In fact, there was another senior member in our group who was kind of like. Um, wouldn't call him a second sponsor, but he was like, you know, Johnny's papa, if you will, if you heard that talk, right. He had a guy like that. And um, Frank Benetti, Frank B who passed, you know, about boy, 10 years ago now. And, and he was like that to me. And one day, you know, I asked Frank who was in a sense, kind of a second sponsor too. Right. And I said, um, I think I want to fire my sponsor and get you as a sponsor. And he said, you don't know anything about loyalty. Shut up. Call your sponsor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, and it's good. You know, our whole group kind of had that culture. So there was no, um, that was helpful for me. It's not helpful for everyone. It worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. The made me think about the, the first time I asked somebody to be my sponsor, I was, I was nervous about it. I, I wasn't in one of those groups where they said, Hey, this is your sponsor or, but they, they did wear you out about, Hey, do you have a sponsor? Yeah. I always felt like I was like in grade in elementary school asking a girl to go with me or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it was yeah. nerve wracking. Yeah. Shank, Shank, you had a bunch of sponsors, didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I sure did. So, or you had a lot of people trying to help you. I mean, I guess you wouldn't call them sponsors. <laughs> I did. Well, once I finally got up the nerve, similar to you, like every meeting I would go to, I didn't have a license and every meeting I was go to, like every woman that would pick me up, every group of women that we would meet for coffee. It was like, do you have a sponsor? Do you, why don't you ask this person? You could ask that person. And I was just like, yeah, y'all are really okay. Like I know I need to do that. And so I asked this woman who was already an old timer at that point, 10 years, 11 years ago, if she would sponsor me. And she just very delicately was like, well, you know what? I would love to do that. That would be so great. However, I do know that someone that would, she was sponsoring, you know, she like pawned me off on this other woman. And it wasn't <laughs> that she didn't ever take my calls or didn't try to help. And I was a group project. Um, Eric, I ended up going to prison. And so, you know, I was sober for about three months, two months in Raleigh. And then I went to prison and all of these women that I met in these meetings, I was just a group project. And Whoever could answer the phone or send me a letter, like I was working the steps with my sponsor, 
but it was just like a lot of women writing me like, you know, I wouldn't do that. Or my experience with that is X, Y, and Z, you know, it wasn't ever really, honestly, I don't remember if it was like what my actual sponsor at that time told me, or if it was one of the women's that were bringing meetings into the facility, or if it was one of the women from my home group that were writing me. But I do know that they continued to bring up the big book and like, well, in the big book, it says this, go to page whatever, you know, all the answers are in there and I would be so annoyed. Yeah. I wish they'd have took good notes when they were doing that. And we could have wrote a pamphlet on how to, how to group sponsor somebody. Yeah. I will tell you that I have (laughs) all of the letters that were sent to me while I was incarcerated. I have them all. And then my first sponsor kept all the letters that I wrote her and handed me a folder when I got out and was Mm. like, here you go. I mean, every time around my anniversary, I try to like crack it open and look at stuff. I'm just horrified at just like how much of a newcomer I was like in my mind. I'm like, well, I was incarcerated and I was just trying to live the principles and do all that stuff. And that was like true, but only to a certain degree. I like can't stand to read it. I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. You need to donate those letters to the AA archives. Yeah, great idea. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to do yeah. that. Yeah. I've always felt like, uh, especially early on, that a sponsor and even just AA members that kind of take an interest in us and, and help us kind of they kind of sit in part time until we find a power greater than ourselves and mm-hmm. until we learn how to live, you know, and in, in faith. Um, so it's a, it's a very important part of the program sponsorship. Well, is. And one of the great things in this pamphlet also, it, it talks about must the newcomer agree with everything the sponsor says? No. And one thing that I can tell you still today, I don't know if you all have had these experiences. I'm sure you have is even like a couple of years ago, I was at my sponsor's house, who was the woman that I initially asked, and she pawned me off on someone else, Um, and she's been my sponsor for a while, and we were talking about the grapevine, something about the grapevine, and I was just very indignant that I had the right answer, and there were a couple other ladies over there as well, and we're just kind of like having this battle back and forth, not an argument, she's just, she knows I'm wrong, and so at some point, she's like, you know what, let's call someone else and ask them. And so we did that. And I I had a third party tell me I was wrong, you know, and then I could accept it. (laughs) And so what I love about my sponsor is like, she doesn't back down for me. She allows me to be wrong, but she will also be like, okay, you're going to take this all the way. So I'm just going to call someone else. So it's not just me and you going back and forth. And the other two girls who were there were like horrified. They were like, Susie, like, Oh my gosh, lady, but relax. Like y'all need to just chill out. Um, But I love that I have that relationship with her. Like I don't, she allows me to be wrong. Yeah. And has no problem with it. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. I've been sober for over 40 years. You think you, you think you know something? Okay. Please tell me more. She's just like, okay, you're teaching me so much, Susie. I've had to do that a couple of times too. Sponsor tells me, gives me some direction, do something. I, I didn't agree with it. I, I appealed it to his sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got the same answer. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, it was, it was, 
my sponsor's answer was probably a little more lenient than what the the second answer I got. Mm-hmm. It's best to go with what you initially get, I guess. Yeah. What are some of the questions in the pamphlet? Well, there are several, you know, I mean, is it ever too late to get a sponsor? No, you know, it goes into like, Hey, if you've just been around AA for a while and you haven't gotten a sponsor yet, you haven't asked someone to help you just anytime. Great time. Just go ahead and do it. Um, and it talks a lot about what a sponsor does and does not do. And yeah. I know that I have just admitted on this podcast both seasons so far that there are several things that I have done in Alcoholics Anonymous, nothing too egregious, but, or while sponsoring other women that I'm just like, I would not do that today. Um, very kind of like culty vibes, you know? Um, but I love that it talks about in here, you know, it just has so many kind of question and answer statements. So one of them One of the first ones is a sponsor does everything possible within the limits of personal experience and knowledge to help the newcomer get sober and stay sober through the AA program. And even though that sounds so basic, I mean, I have women coming to me all the time like, well, I went to this one church because of X, Y and Z. And so many people go there or I did this yoga class or I, you know, just insert all these other things that are not AA. They may be helpful to your recovery, but like, it's just not AA. Like, no, you don't have to do that to be an Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it. So let's ask, let's ask Eric a couple questions. Just see what his take is on this. So one is in sponsoring people, should a sponsor get involved or, Talk to the family. I think that is, that's nuanced there. I have had times where I have um, usually because the family has reached out to me. I, I don't insert myself in someone's life. Who's not an alcoholic that hasn't asked for my help. In fact, that same guy, Frank Benetti used to say, helping people that aren't asking for your help is called bothering them. Right. <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, whether it's an alcoholic or someone else, but I have had times where um, the family has asked me things. Sometimes those were easy, helpful things. And sometimes those put me in an awkward spot where I'll remind them that I'm just a fellow alcoholic and my job as someone's sponsor is to help them with their alcoholism, not a marriage counselor. I'm, I'm not a therapist. I don't not qualified to do anything except help someone with their alcoholism um, and share my experience that I have. And I don't have experience with everything, you know? So um, a little bit, sometimes, you know, an uncomfortable thing is when someone's wife calls you to give you their inventory. (laughs) I I tell them, I really appreciate the call, but you know, that you should call your sponsor, (laughs) you know, Sometimes I get a tattletale call, which is, you know, that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So thankfully, my wife doesn't do that to me, but she probably I probably qualify for those calls sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really on a case by case basis, depending on the. I think circumstances. So. Yeah, I think so. When should someone. Yeah. When should someone start sponsoring others? That, that's I don't you know. I've heard a lot of theories on that. And again, it, I guess it depends on what you mean. So if, if you're. If you're helping another alcoholic, you're doing 12-step work of some type, right? And 
I've heard a lot of people say, whoever's talking to you is who you're sponsoring. It might not be a name or it might be official. So I don't think it's too early to start helping people. Maybe you're sponsoring them, maybe you're not. But like Susie talked about earlier, I can't take anyone somewhere that I have experienced, right? So, you know, we know that the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are, are the program of recovery. And, and people go through those steps at different paces, depending on their needs. And I've taken people through the steps. My sponsor took me through the steps really quickly. Had he not been all the way through the steps, I don't know if he would have been qualified to sponsor me. So um, I didn't answer your question at all, (laughs) but I think an official sponsor that's going to be your sponsor long-term, at least that's your plan initially should have gone through the steps, right? All of them. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. It's it's again, it's kind of case by case, and yeah, I guess if you, if you've had the experience of the steps, then technically, I guess you're qualified to sure to, to help another or to sponsor someone. But sometimes, sometimes friends in AA are or as helpful as sponsors, though. Without a doubt, you know, yeah, fellow, sometimes your fellow sponsees that have the same sponsor are a good group too. A lot of times, a lot of people are very close with the other people that are sponsored by their sponsor. And sometimes there can be, um, I don't want to call seniority, but people that have been sponsored for a longer time, right. And have more experience sober. A lot of guys helped me out that weren't my sponsor, but were sponsored by my sponsor uh, early on, especially when I was resentful at my sponsor, which I was with great frequency. (laughs) One thing I would add to, I mean, I heard it say that, and again, the longer I've been sober, the more I believe there are no super hard rules or anything, but I have heard it said, like, if you're not sometimes response, you know, finding yourself resentful at your sponsor, you might not be sponsored. Right. I mean, it, it is, it was my sponsor's job to get in the way of me and my grand plans a lot of the time. And most importantly, my incredibly selfish behavior, right. My extreme self-centeredness, though I usually didn't think so. Right. And yeah. And sometimes, and some people are really good at doing that in a subtle way. And my sponsor can do it all different ways. He sometimes, and I've, and I've obviously taken on his way of doing things. Sometimes it can be a direct, hey man, you're, you got to cut that out. And sometimes he tells a fictitious story about some guy he used to sponsor whose story sounds an awful, <laughs> right? So, and it usually ends tragically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's been, that's been my experience too. Yeah. Here's here's a question, I guess, for all three of us. Is there is there any one best way of sponsoring a newcomer? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think so. I really don't. I think I made the mistake when I was first sponsoring people of being very direct the way that I was sponsored. And some personality types cannot take that. Right. Yep. They just they might have had some experiences in life. Um that make them incapable of hearing someone who talks to them that way. Um, So that's why I said, I think if we are, you know, if we continue to be honest and willing and open-minded, we, we will eventually find the type of sponsorship that we need. I will say, however, that most new people don't know what they need, you know, and I would have asked for another sort of Casper milk toast sponsor when I got mine. Right. Um, Yeah. Want to did want to do a trade in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's it's cert- it's definitely one of the things I've learned over time is that not everybody responds the same way. No, I think there are some foundational things that people need to do if they're new, just with with the group and with you know yeah. steps and you know taking the steps and prayer. But the, I guess the way that you kind of um, help people with that or guide people through that, it, it's different based on the the individual and how they respond to stuff. Yeah. And I- I have found I've even sponsored men. You know, we have our character defects too, right? You you do have to be willing as a sponsor to sacrifice that relationship to tell the person the truth, right? And if you're a person who values relationships and how people think about you over telling the truth, that can be a challenging relationship for some people to be a sponsor the first time, right? Um, I I am good friends with a lot of the men that I sponsor now and I'm good friends with my sponsor now, but we have a long history together. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. In the beginning, um, while I was a friend and friendly and would openly tell the men that I sponsor that I, that I love them and I would hopefully show them that too. I was direct and honest with them. Right. Even if they were going to fire me as a sponsor, because at the time, and they're still, most of these guys are still with me today. I thought it's what they needed. You know, yeah, yeah. Shank, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I really don't believe that there's any uh, one perfect way to sponsor people, you know, and I've kind of tried to get away a little bit of saying like, I just try to say that I help women because I think it's helpful for me in my mind not to get, I just... The way that I was sponsored while I was incarcerated, you know, my first year of sobriety was I really had to rely on God. And it also talks about in this pamphlet, you know, that it's the AA recovery program taking you to figure out what your higher power is, what your relationship with something greater than you is not relying on the sponsor. So that was my experience first getting into this deal. And I had not been through all the steps when I was sponsoring other women, but you know, as if I was on the fourth step, the women that were helping me, my sponsor said, well, you can be taking women through the first three steps. You can get them to where you are. You all can read the book together. Like that's how you're going to know what this thing is all about. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's just about following the directions in the book. And you know, would I suggest that uh, today? Not necessarily. You know, I'm not just like, oh, yeah, okay, I just started sponsoring you. You have three days sober. Take someone through the first step. You know, that's not um, necessarily what I would suggest or what I would do. But that is what I tell the women who are incarcerated to do. When I take the meetings in there, I do think it can be situational. Um, mm-hmm. I also just had all these ideas about things that I was supposed to be doing when I got out of prison. I thought I'd missed out on so much. And like, I needed to meet with my sponsor once a week and I needed to always be working a step and I needed to always be, you know, trying to sponsor every woman, new woman that came in the door and get them to join my home group and get them to give them a book immediately. And things that I've learned are, you know, I'm not the right sponsor for everyone. I am very direct. I am just very honest. I've had to work on being compassionate and kind and caring along the way. But 
you know, to me, it's just kind of like, I am not so egotistical anymore that I think it's a reflection of who I am as an AA member by how many people I am quote sponsoring. You know, I do have women that I help. Uh, A lot of my, a lot of the women that I help are mad at their sponsors. So they call me and I tell them the exact same thing, (laughs) you know, and it's just kind of like, well, okay, that confirms it, I guess. Um, And, you know, I do sponsor women, but I'm not at this point any longer where I'm like, you know, if I can tell women, if this isn't working, like, let's find someone that you can be honest with, that you can work these steps with, because it's more important that you're able to stay sober if you are trying to do that than it is for me to be like, yes, I sponsor 20 women, you know, and I don't get upset when women find a new sponsor. Like I've had the experience of leaving a sponsor to go to someone else and it was not good. And it just felt really gross. And like I was doing something wrong and I wasn't, you know, I just needed to do something different for my sobriety. And, um, you know, it, it really strained my experience in AA for a while, but I didn't let it keep me out. And I understand that that woman was probably just going through something too. So through helping people, I've learned that so long as I'm using the book Alcoholics Anonymous, and I do have an honest desire to help these women. And I am praying before doing this work. Um, you know, I'm probably on the right path, but no, I don't talk to my sponsor every day. I do not meet with her once a week. She knows what's going on with me. And I know I'm a good member of Alcoholics Anonymous still. I just read something interesting in this pamphlet. It says each approach approach sometimes each approach is sometimes successful and sometimes it fails. Yeah. There you go. What's that? That's 50-50, right? Yeah. Yes. I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, right. It even has a question here, can a sponsor be too casual? And it yeah, I don't know, it really doesn't answer the question, kind of like we're not, where it's kind of case by case, depending on the uh, the individual and the and the circumstances. The um, I have noticed though, a lot of uh, you mentioned the the weekly meeting, and um, I think it is important for me sponsoring people to make sure that people understand that that I'm not there. I'm not their dad or their, their God or their, their banker or their attorney. Um, and that their real reliance shouldn't be on, you know, some established meeting with me and some phone call to me that, I mean, I know that that stuff is important, but at some point they've got to rely on, on a power greater than themselves and the program and the principles and I, and I think it's important in, in helping people that to get them to to rely on those things as quickly as possible. But you'll hear people in meetings, you know, around here, Shank, we hear it all the time that mm-hmm. they they kind of they, they kind of like brag about the, the 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 meetings with their sponsor and the times that they meet and the calls and the. And the book, I mean, they'll talk about that book like the the sponsor is like the the uh, the conduit for the book or something like that. You know, the, I mean, the, yeah. the book is the book. 
Um, so I, I, I do think that's interesting. I, it might be taking well, a little. And the thing is, if I'm if I'm working with someone who is new, never donned the doors of AA or they're newly back, if they want to meet four times a week sure. and we get through the steps, I will do that. No problem. I mean, you may have to meet me at 5 a.m., which most people will not do, but I will meet you as many times and I have no problem meeting with people once a week. It just is not like a check mark on my AA resume to be able to get up there and be like, well, I meet with my sponsor every Friday at two o'clock and no, 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 you know, and like I very much had that attitude for a few years of my sobriety yeah. where I really had this chip on my so shoulder because of things I was doing that like other people were not doing, even though I respected those people. And I'm like, hey, they seem to like have a good life and be doing like I just had to find some reason why what I was doing was different or better or something, I guess. Yeah. Well, at least they're talking about AA, but you know, I will say we have here, this is the land of the intellectual giant, right? <laughs> so have a lot of like therapy talk and stuff like that yeah. into meetings a lot. So, and you know, that that's institution talk a lot of the time. And so at least your folks are talking about Alcoholics Anonymous. That's a, that's a welcome. Problem. Well, it's not always, Eric, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're making it sound that way, but right. the institution yeah. therapy, yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know, it, Once, it is it's the, seeping the, in here also. The one van problem, the one van problem, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. yeah it's, it's prevalent yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have enough vans, those places. So, and um, I like what you guys have shared too. It's, it's interesting. It's the longer I've stayed sober. Um, I definitely don't think that my AA beliefs have softened. Like I believe that the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. So they will, they will introduce me and solidify a relationship with a power greater than myself, how I define it on my terms and I think it's imperative that it, that you have a sponsor to help you get there, right? And you should do service and probably you should have a home group, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I've seen a lot of people who are really great members of AA that kind of do it a different way that I would have judged early in my sobriety, maybe because that wouldn't work for me or maybe something else. But I've, I've become as I'm getting older, I get more rigid in some of my beliefs. And I'm not talking about alcoholics on just in general, just part of like getting older, I feel like, but I feel like my beliefs in AA have become more open-minded. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I think that a group or something, the culture of it changes in a way that I don't like, I don't have to go there anymore. Right. Like the group conscience speaks and it, and it happens the way it does. Um, but I do believe in, in the groups that have a strong sponsorship culture, whatever that means. It doesn't have to mean a, a type, a way that you talk to someone. Just I kind of am attracted to those groups. And I find it yeah. when I'm traveling too. You know, I like the message. Um, it feels like people can cut away some of the nonsense earlier on in their sobriety. You know, um, that's been my experience. And I was a slow study in AA, although I went through the steps quickly like many of us, I made every mistake there is to make in, in living sober. Right. And <laughs> some, in the beginning, I didn't stay sober doing that way. And then after a while, I, I was physically sober, but I wasn't a super principled person for many years into sobriety. Right. And thankfully I had that strong sponsor looking over my shoulder, telling me when I was full of it. Right. Or telling me that I was just a selfish 
guy. And like many of us, I go through periods of time where I don't see it. You know, I don't see it. Even when I'm taking inventory, I don't see it. I can hide it from myself. I can disguise a defective character as something else. It's not greed. It's ambition, right? It's whatever it is. I'm just want to provide for my family, right? Or myself. (laughs) So, and thankfully I have someone there. And, and, you know, I think with most of us, the longer we stay sober, the relationship with our sponsor changes. I, I remember my sponsor stopped kind of just yelling at me and giving me a hard time one day. And mm-hmm. I remember I asked one of the other guys that he sponsored who was sober a long time. I'm like, Hey, he's not like, he doesn't like yell at me anymore. He goes, yeah. Well, are you calling him now with like your inventory that he now doesn't have to take? And I will say being a sponsor too, <laughs> it's nice when that, when a person you sponsor make that transition, because mm-hmm. I do believe in the beginning as a sponsor, that is, that is a part of our job because we've lived such, you know, lives of, of self lies for so long. We often need an external conscience or someone to point out how we're living our lives and what we're doing and the lies that we're telling ourselves. And eventually hopefully with writing it down and talking to someone else, the ability to take your own inventory and it changes that, right? Yeah. And I always know that's a that's a breaking point in my relationship with someone I sponsor. And I'm like, thank God, right? You know, this guy's calling me and he's taking his inventory. And we have, and maybe we only need to talk on the phone for two or three minutes, but it's a concrete, solid conversation instead of a half an hour of talking about nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Well, I think I we've covered a lot. What okay. I like, okay, uh, I've, in our area, I'm not sure if it's like this for you, Eric, but um, everyone just like is obsessed with Bill. So yeah. Dr. Bob, um, in his story, actually said that he spends a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. One, a sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in doing so, I'm paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. And four, because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. And for me, that is just like so simple. That's so easy to understand. They're good reasons to do it, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Keep it simple. Thank God for Dr. Bob, right? Keeping Bill in check all those years and those those beginning years and so critical in fact when you read the stories in the history sometimes you're like who was the sponsor (laughs) Mm, yes exactly that's right right that's right to me that's another lesson in sponsorship too because how often do you learn something from someone that you sponsor Mm -hmm. yeah door opens or or an idea opens that maybe you wouldn't have come up with on your own or or speaking to your own sponsor so it's it's not it's certainly not a one-way street sponsorship it is absolutely yeah well, you want to move to meeting shrapnel, Shane? Let's move on to meeting shrapnel. All right, Eric, buckle up. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first one? All right. Meeting shrapnel number one is take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Ew! Whoa. <laughs> what do y'all this think about a, that one? It's a good one for sponsorship. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that one, Eric? Well, I, this goes back to, I think, what we talked about, about how it's a little bit different for everyone. But I will tell you a good story of a buddy of mine who's sober. He's 40 plus years and he got sober in northern New Hampshire, you know, and 
everyone was a lumberjack. It was tough. And he got sober young at a time when, you know, most of the meetings that he went to in rural New Hampshire, they were old timers. They were older guys. And he said he was in and out a lot. And he tells a story where one day he went to the meeting and said, you know, he stood up at the end. And he goes, I'm really not sure that I'm an alcoholic. He said this old timer with his, you know, overalls on stood up and turned around. And he goes, Tim, you're a GD and alcoholic. Now sit the F down and shut up. And that's his sobriety date, you know, like, oh, that's awesome. He needed to hear it. And he's, and it's interesting thing about Tim is if you met him, you would think that's a guy probably, he, you know, he's a, he was a professional skier. He's a little out there, right? He's kind of yep. like, you know, a little hippy dippy. Right. And, but it worked for him. Right. Mm. And, and he always reflects on that saying that that worked for me. I needed to hear that. So not true for everyone. We know. Right. Yeah. Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Shank, you ever heard of this one? Yes, I have. I've heard this one uh, several times. It's never been said to me, which that's pretty helpful. That's pretty surprising, I think. Um, <laughs> I like to talk. No one's ever said it to you? Come on. They have not. Um I don't know. I don't have a super huge problem with this necessarily. I just like, I don't know. I don't know that the people that have this said to them and it's not a joke really hear it or care. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember. I feel, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I, I feel like it's one of those ones where you'll, you'll hear people in meetings say, yeah, my sponsor told me to take the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. But I've never actually heard somebody say it to somebody. I yeah, don't know if it's, I, you know what I, I mean? Think it's like probably we, saying like, sit there and listen. Don't <laughs> share in the meeting. How about work on your listening? Yeah. yeah. Have, have you ever actually heard it, Eric? This particular, being said? I, I, so it's funny that you say that because when you said, when you made that statement, I was like, well, I think I've heard it, but maybe I haven't. Maybe I've just heard someone say they've been told it, right? And we, mm-hmm. we all know what happens is, I remember I was just terrified to talk when I was new. Like, you know, I was just self-conscious and such a wreck and such a mess. And, and you know, I remember my sponsor saying that with new, and this is probably a rule of thumb across the board, with, with newcomers, the ones that share a lot probably should listen. And the ones that don't share at all probably should share with more frequency, right? Yeah. And, um, but I, I don't know. I, so I, I want to say, yes, I've heard it, but it might be exactly what, what you just brought up. I might have heard someone... Tell me they were told yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have definitely talked to people like after a meeting. I've talked to people that I sponsor after a meeting. Like if they're talking too much or they're not sharing on on, on the topic, I'll say, hey, you might want to think about listening a little more. Um, yeah. Talking a little less. Um, but I don't know that I've ever actually told anybody to take the cotton out of their ears and put it in their mouth. I definitely haven't said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what I think about it. Keep it or scrap it? Mm, scrap it. We don't need it. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, scrap it. All right. It's out of here. Out of here? All right. What's the next one, Shane? All right. Meeting shrapnel number two is AA is the WE program. (laughs) (laughs) 
this one cracks me up. Yeah. I think the majority of time, the time when I hear this is when people are saying like, you know, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. And I'm like, this is not like me and you admitting it together about ourselves. I could yeah. like, that was the first 100. Those are people that were writing. Um, no, I don't do AA alone, but there have been times for me that uh, there wasn't anyone around. Yeah. Eric, what do you think? I, I agree. I don't, you know, I, 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 I'm not a huge slogan guy anyway, so you're going to get me to throw a lot of these. <laughs> nice. You're, hey, nice. you fit right in with us. Uh, especially, anyway, but we'll keep going. I can see what you get next. So that's how I feel about it, too. Yeah. I, AA is, a, I guess it, it came because of the way the big book's written when they're mm-hmm. saying we... Yeah. They're talking like past tense. Hey, this is what we did. It, mm-hmm. They're not talking like, or is that like third person or whatever they're talking in? I'm not a grammar guy, but no, um, and somehow that turned into it's a we program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we admitted we were powerless. We got to do it together. It's weird. Probably there were good intentions with these slogans. Start like maybe it came from like you're not alone. Like we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. If that's the context, then that's great, right? Cool. You know, yeah. We're working this program. We're trudging the road of happy destiny together, right? But these things take a turn of their own, right? And take a life of their own. Yeah. 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 Scrap it, Eric. I, I'm I'm gonna scrap it. So scrap it. Yeah. Scrap. It's out of here. All right. What's the next one? All right. Meeting shrapnel number three. Live and let live. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Might have a that might actually scratcher. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one, right? I, and again, like for context, to it has actually helped me over time after I was sober for a while. Again, with these certain beliefs that the way the program was handed to me and the way I do it is the right way. And, you know, and I'm shortchanging someone else if I don't give them the exact same message that was given to me. Um, like I talked about earlier, I've seen people do this in a way that, that I do believe are alcoholics. So I'm going to put that asterisk next to it too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That do things, not, it's not like they get away from doing the steps, not like doing that, but maybe the, the path or, or the way that they go through it or take people through it's a little different than the way I do it and and rather than judging that say they're they're doing wrong I could say there's an alcoholic staying sober and how they're helping other alcoholics to stay sober right so in that way I think it's it's decent right yeah it's um it's an accurate it's a good way to live yeah right I mean if you can if if we could live our lives and focus on what our troubles are and the root of our problem and leave other people to li- live their lives. Um, it's probably the essence of this, of the third step, right? If we're yeah. going to give up the management of our lives, this is probably um, a good way to live. Now I will point out, <laughs> this is in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous on page 135. Mm-hmm. It's actually in there as one of the three, what, 
mottos as they call it or, yeah or apropos or something like that mm-hmm. i'd have to look that word up but yeah um i guess it's saying they're they're appropriate mottos so yeah. i um i don't know that we can well shank what do you think i like this one i don't mind this one at all i mean it's it's definitely helped me and i remember kind of like one of the something we were talking about earlier um before we got on here was, you know, I've always been told this is just side rant, but you know, I've, I was told for several years that like I needed to wear a dress anytime that I was going to speak. And, you know, I understand like that is something that like as a woman, it's like, okay, well that's how you look nice or presentable or whatever. But I got to the point where I'm like, Hey, I have some really nice dress pants. I have some really nice, like, I look like a recovered alcoholic. And so I remember calling someone else about it because I was just disagreeing. And they were like, live and let live. And I was like, oh, God, that's so stupid. <laughs> but it was actually something that helped me because I was like, yeah, it really doesn't matter like what she's saying. I know that I look like a recovered alcoholic. And if someone is here from the community, someone's parents, someone's grandparents, someone's husband or wife, a judge, anyone walks in here, they're going to be like, oh, well, she doesn't look like she just left a maximum security prison. You know, she looks like she's okay. Great. This thing may have worked for her. And that's what it was about. It wasn't about impressing all of my AA friends with like how good I thought I looked in a whatever I may be wearing. But I do remember that this was a thing that was kind of said and I just thought it was so stupid, but it did over time help. I was just like, oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. It's a good. It's a good statement. Yeah. Maybe I'll wear a dress next time I speak, Shane. Since I you're think not you wearing should. dresses anymore. Well, I might. I'll do khakis and a blue blazer. You know why not? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to keep this one or scrap it. Eric? Keep it. That's a keeper. It's in the book, yeah. right? We gotta. We can't. Can't override that. I think that's right. So yeah. we're going to keep it. Surprise! All right. Well, Eric, we appreciate you coming on and, and uh, sharing your experience on sponsorship. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It was great. You know, like always, when I do something like this, I learned as much as I was able to, to share. So appreciate you as well. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So remember, uh, if you're out there listening, we recommend having a sponsor, an AA sponsor. There's a good pamphlet on it, and there's stuff written in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and working with others about how to sponsor people. So uh, it's a uh, it's a good way to recover and a good way to uh, to be free. Freedom! Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode. <laughs>